The end of the season is finally upon us. Danny Rick is going back to familiar grounds. F1 says goodbye to Seb. And we finally get an American driver on the grid. Let's jump the start. What's up, everybody? Welcome in Jump to Start Racing podcast. My name is you. Wellington. Ruben, I was expecting for you to take over the uh, introduction portion. <laughs> too shy to do that. Too shy, too short, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so I'm here with Ruben. Say hello. What's going on, guys? Yancy? Hi. On today's episode, we will be discussing the final race of the season, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and all the uh, ramifications that came out of it. Uh, we'll also be discussing reserve driver news. Silly season's finally wound down, finally, <clears throat> and uh, so long, farewell, Seb Vettel. Before we get into it, guys, I want to make sure that you guys are following us at Jump to Start F1. Let me say that again: at Jump to Start F1 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and if you could do us uh, a call to action, do us a huge favor: leave a review on your favorite podcast platform or whatever you're listening to us on. Uh, it's the way that we are found by other podcast. Listeners, and share it, and share it. Yeah, that that would actually be a lot of help. Ruben, good morning. How was your weekend? <laughs> <laughs> too oh, short. Too short. Yes, you should and I cold. even ask. And cold. And cold. Phenomenal weekend. Phenomenal. Wow. Phenomenal weekend. Why is that? Oh, I won't go into it, but it was a phenomenal. Hello. Weekend. Well, congrats. Yes. Hello. Yes, he made his mark. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so. Let's uh, jump right into this. Daniel Ricardo, who we thought was going to be banished from the grid, is set to join Red Bull F1 as third driver in 2023. What are you... Um... So, obviously, Daniel Ricardo came up as a Red Bull junior program driver, was with the team. Um, actually, for for some good formative years, he raced was against Sebastian Vettel. He raced against Max Verstappen, uh, but ultimately decided to go his own path. Went out to Renault, right mm-hmm. after Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Then from there, went on to McLaren, mm-hmm. where here he is, back with his uh, tail tucked tucked between his legs. As a third driver for the team, that he has seven of eight of his Formula One wins. Um, talk about being humbled. It's uh, it's a little weird to see Daniel Ricciardo as a third driver on the team that he <clears throat> came up with and actually beat Sebastian Vettel his first year when he came up with them. <laughs> so it's, it's just a little weird. I don't know. I mean, uh. It's a plus for both. Like, obviously, we don't know the intels of why Ricardo has to step out of F1 because well, he's getting paid for being out. He's, Ren- he Renault, sucks. I mean, yeah, but he sucked at McLaren, but he doesn't suck. So McLaren still has to pay him that extra year. So we don't know if he cannot be an official driver for a year or if he loses out if he's active as a driver. You know, like kind of like the some of the baseball contract stuff and stuff. We mm-hmm. don't know the inner details. <laughs> and it's a big plus for Red Bull because 
the research driver or the third driver is the one that goes to, like the article at Wellington Shearer from Motorsport. It has like a highlight there, so that's the only thing I read about it. That Ricardo is a third driver who be, he'll go to the shows, the fan expos and stuff like that, and he has great engagement with the fans. So right. it's a plus for Red Bull. I, I think it's a huge plus. Well, for... it'll bring more eyes to Red Bull, of course, and, and the sponsors because it is Daniel mm-hmm, Ricardo, mm-hmm. and he has a huge following. So. Yes. So, did you guys? Um, so I said it very specifically. You know, it's a weird terminology, right? Marco said he is the third driver, not the reserve driver. They didn't give him so, that official title kind of thing. Granted, we understand that he's going to be the reserve in case of, you know, that they have issues. But the way that they, it's almost like saving his ego. Like, oh, he's the third driver. Uh, there's a, there's also a theory which I think might be um, plausible. Is that they they bring in Ricardo just to keep uh, Checo in check. Checo in check. No pun intended? No. Well, now it is intended. Um, <clears throat> meaning, we all seen the past week the quote-unquote turmoil that Team Orders have brought upon the Red Bull team, even though they are the Constructors' champions and they have Max Verstappen, which is a two-time World cha- Drivers' champion. Um... Checo, this is going to be his third year coming up, is going to want a little bit more backup on that team um, so he can actually fight Max Verstappen for that driver's championship, especially if they have the best car on the grid. Um, And if he creates a stink, which, you know, after three years, drivers tend to do, um, they'll be like, yo, we got an eight-time race winner in the back pocket. Bounce. I mean, I don't think they would do that. Are you kidding me, Red Bull? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. It's a good card to have in your pocket. Well, there you go. Hey, Checo. Not saying that we got a guy that's won more races than you. Yeah. Waiting for a spot. You sure you don't want to get some fire in your tires quick? Hmm. Keep Checo in check. Even though Checo does also bring a lot of money to the team. Right, so there's that. And yeah, then, but they don't really need money's it. not an issue anymore with a budget cap. There you go. They don't really need it like that. And it's top three team, one of the top three teams. I in, think in you guys are forgetting North. why Danny Ricardo was <clears throat> in the first place because he wasn't that number one driver anymore. He, he to. wasn't. Gonna, he's not going to be a number one driver right anywhere anymore. Mm-hmm. He's too old, and a number one driver can step into a car and uh, any car and you know, be the number one driver. And he wasn't that at McLaren. And it doesn't seem that he can do that anywhere else until, unless the car is specifically suited for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, speaking of reserve driver situation, so Mercedes, Nick DeVries is moving on to be AlphaTauri for a uh, full-time driver. Stoffel Van Dorn will be with Aston Martin as their reserve driver next year. So that leaves them a vacancy. Stop. The rumor... And it's still not confirmed, so I'm saying the rumor is that, uh, uh, and as Yancey says, where there's smoke, there's fire, that Mick Schumacher, you know, once formally released from Haas, which I guess after this past race, it's done, that he will be signing on as the reserve driver for Mercedes. So, a German driver. His father actually drove for Mercedes. He was Nico Rosberg's teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, reunited, and it feels so good? Yeah. We'll be on a home team, home turf. And his uncle, do, And it's a... Uh, Rolf, yeah. And it's, but not for F1, though. Sorry. And it's a uh, top team. 
Ouch. I think that'll top tier team. Yeah. Yeah, top tier team. His flow could change. Hmm? His flow, his pattern could change. Everything could change. Yeah. By mean, being on a, on a where he needs where he where he's right. promised to no, be. Look at, um, or where he deserves to be, you could say. Look at Ocon and um and who's and, and Russell. They were always around that Mercedes team. They're F one drivers now. Total Wolf, the uh, super agent. There you go. Hit no, no, I think. Oh, and Nick DeVries as well. He waited his time, yeah. Valtteri Boras. Slowly but surely. Mercedes is becoming the new Red Bull Drivers Academy. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think they're, they're collecting. Not, not an academy, but. Well, meaning like bringing up drivers. They're collecting spare parts and kind of putting them together. Well, I mean, it's still. Except for George Russell. Messed up to say it that way. Still, yeah. Nick <laughs> DeVries has been floating around for how long? He's been the turd that wouldn't be flushed. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Now he's there. They fished him out. That's wow. hilarious. You didn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anything else on uh, Mick Schumacher? Uh, no, good luck. Hope he gets it. We know the Schumacher name should be somewhere in F1. I take it back. I don't think Nick DeVries is a turd. Um, anyway, moving forward, Williams confirms Logan Sargent to race alongside Alex Albon for 2023. So Sargent headed into Abu Dhabi F2 season finale, needing to score 10 super license points in order to meet the required threshold to compete in Formula One, which I, it seems like it was everybody's problem this year, starting off obviously with Colton Herta, who could not qualify, uh, and they didn't make an exemption for him, but... Here we are in a situation where Logan Sargent was able to qualify, easily surpassing the uh, the figure by scoring uh, P4 in the final driver's standing. So that got him what he needed. And now we have an American driver back on the grid. First American driver since Alexander Rossi drove for Caterham in 2016. Um, I don't know why people are more excited about this. Well, I mean, it just happened, no? 11 hours ago. Well, I mean, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like it uh, has the fanfare that, let's say, if it would have been a Colton Herta coming into F1. He, Colton is also much more well-known. Yeah. yeah. Much more well-known. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the quiet one that surprises you. Because he's this this kid, obviously, he's been, the news about him, what he needs to qualify for super license has been heating up for the cup lap couple of, you know, say maybe like the last month and a half. Nobody yeah. driving for Williams is going to surprise you. No, no, it's not about surprise. It's just like, it's an American, but they were, you know, they pushed for him to get to qualify for everything as far as like giving him, I think he got FP1 in Coda. He also got FP1 now in Abu Dhabi to get the extra points. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't do, do what his part. And that's how he did it. I think it's a uh, brilliant move by Williams to bring in an American driver into a sport considering how popular F1 has become here in the States. Uh, they'll be the first team to do that ever since the um, the resurgence of F1 here in in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in the U.S. Um, it'll help them bring in money, sponsorships, and all that good stuff. Uh, hopefully, he is a decent driver. We'll see. I, I think it's a good idea in the sense that It's a good idea only if they can put together a car that can get results. Because mm-hmm. we as Americans, me in particular, and I feel like... So, for example, the New York Knicks, they suck for a long time. They still suck. Mm-hmm. 
how much do you actually watch? We used to, me and Yancy from back in grade school, used to watch every single game. Every single game. Now yeah. it's like, okay, well, whatever. Yeah, the next law. So I feel like the American audience, if they're not, if their driver's not doing well, it's just like, all right, well, whatever. He's just on the grid. Back to the top three teams. So yeah. it's like, it's good, but also not great. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, he would have to be one of those, like, standout midfield or back of the good grid drivers. Mm-hmm. For him to get any attention. Um, we'll see what happens. He has been in the lower categories for a while, moving up. And he did, uh, he got fourth. Yes. In the uh, in the F2 championship. So we'll see what he does. It's willing, so. Either way, it's a positive to have an American on the grid. Hell yeah. Yeah, open the door for other Americans. Coming. I wonder uh, where he's going to have his... Uh, his grandstand at Coda. Every American driver has a grandstand? Well, I mean, the, they have, like, the Canadian grandstand for, uh, for like, Lance Stroll and Latifi. And Latifi oh my at God. the Canadian <gasps> Grand Prix. Sayonara, Nicholas Latifi. So, speaking of Sayonara, Seb Vettel, final, <laughs> final race. You like that segue? Yeah. Final <laughs> race. Give him a round of applause for that, Seb. Thank you, thank you. Too kind. Um, all right, so uh, let me just go through, I guess, real quick. So, well, and then what do you guys think? The paddock unites for a farewell track run with Vettel. He's always you've seen him sometimes, like on the on the preview shows. He's doing the run, and the reporters grab him. Uh, Alonso reveals a Vettel F1 tribute helmet for Abu Dhabi. Let's recall that. Alonzo almost, how different history would be if Vettel wasn't as good as he was to basically steal championships from Fernando yeah. Alonso. Mm-hmm. Sure. There were what, two of them. There. Anyway, and then Hamilton, uh, dinner shows, 2022 F1 driver group has most harmony. He, uh, They all got together, went out to dinner. I think Lewis Hamilton paid, what was it, a $16,000 tab for Sebastian. More than that? Way more. It was like 140 No, that's... Uh, that's in... Uh, That's in... Uh, I forgot what it is. Okay. Dinar, I think yeah. it's called. Uh, okay. Anyway. $150,000, Jesus. Mm-hmm. All for uh, Sebastian Vettel. What are your uh, thoughts on the tributes that people paid to Seb? Go ahead, Ruben. No, they're freaking dope. They said, we're talking about not just, I mean, a, a four-time champion, but this guy was... Super respected, or it's still super respected in the paddock and throughout with all the drivers, you know, the, the relationship. Granted, obviously, when you're going against another driver, some friction may appear, but that doesn't mean they don't respect you. That means, obviously, also all the stuff that his positive has done for Formula One and the paddock that he's going as far as, like, you know, going more green and stuff with he, what he's doing. And, you know, I don't know, it's just an awesome leader. And I hope he stays around. I hope I hope he just go into like a room and doesn't come back. I hope he stays around Formula One and shows his face. You know, with difference. I think he will go into a room. Yeah, and just be... never come back out. I yeah, agree. yeah. He's very he's very private with his life. So what you said uh, about how drivers, you know, sometimes on track. I think they were talking about this weekend that Hamilton and Vettel, their relationship actually grew more after that incident in Baku in 2017, where they where. Lewis brake checked them or like whatever. Either mm-hmm. way, they, they Vettel and Hamilton collided, etc. It was an on track incident, but they they said that their relationship grew from from there. 
I think so. We always talk about how Fernando Alonso is an all-time great driver, right? And that's a two-time world champion. So imagine uh, the, 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 I guess, uh, the flowers that should be given, given to Vettel, who, yeah, he had a very dominant car at times. But as I mentioned, there were some battles to the end to be able to secure, um, you know, championships. Yeah, I mean, um, there was a very nice moment going back to what you were saying, where uh, it was Seb and, and Lewis uh, at the press conference where they were saying, where he was saying that, Seb was saying that he was kind of glad that that um, that the incident in Baku happened, not because of his actions, but more because it brought him and Lewis closer together yeah. after that, that incident. Um, and they just become, their friendship has gotten stronger. Um, after his Ferrari exit, uh, it seems that um, Vettel has, I think rehabilitate would be the wrong word, but it kind of what it is considering all the new causes that he took up. Um, but he's always been an overall really nice guy, a big advocate for driver safety. He's one of the, uh, GDPA, um, ambassador, GPDA ambassadors. Um, and it's a testament to what he means to Formula One and what he's done over the years that he's getting so many tributes, way more tributes than what a Fernando Alonso got when he first retired. Way more than Nicholas Latifi, too. Well, I mean, come on, let's, let's be serious. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, you know that, the fact that all 20 drivers went to that dinner, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, he did a track run, um, the fact that he did Sorry, a track Ruben's one. just showing me that he's right, that it was $167,000. For the time. For the, oh. for the and so base, please. All right. All right, no problem. Sorry. Yeah, that he did a track run with, you know, everybody um, are in the paddock. And, um, and yeah, and there was a whole bunch of, like, video packages. They even had, like, a video package shown to him when he crossed the finish line <laughs> on his screen. Um, it was a lot of cool, cool stuff, and uh, he definitely deserves all of that. Um, but I think he's coming back. His dad this. coming down too? Yeah, but I think he's coming back. You think he's coming back to Formula One? Yeah. As a team principal? No, as a driver. As a driver? Why do you think that? Hmm? What do you because think of that? his age? He's young still. He's not 40-something like Fernando Alonso. And anybody who, anybody who's that caliber of a driver who can still drive, because he can clearly still drive. I mean, his performance in qualifying was amazing. Um, so you think... And his, perf- I think his he raced very well during the Grand Prix, but his team messed up the strategy. strategy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's obvious he can. And honestly, the only reason that Aston Martin w- was even able to come close close to even competing for sixth place in the championship, a constructors' championship, is because Sebastian Vettel dragged, put that team, put it on his shoulders, and dragged them to the seventh, to seventh place, and all, and came within a few points of getting sixth place. They so were, he can still drive. He, he still has a it, point with an eight point. So he can still drive, and uh, you know maybe he just needs some time off, and then he'll come back and do what he loves. I don't think so, dude. I don't think he's coming back. But I hope for the type of guy we're talking about, Sepp, if he does come back, he'll be welcome. Oh, absolutely. It'll be hard for him to come back, though. Mm. I think, I think not, now that he's, I'm not going to say he's finished, because obviously he sh- still shows how he could drive, but a guy with all the stuff that he wants to do and stuff like that, I don't think he's coming back. 
if hooking back can happen. Yeah, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's different. I agree it could happen, but that's di- So, like, this man has accomplished everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And to come back for and not be at the top. Well, the the uh, the I think that's what hurts the most with the conspiracy. With, with, with yeah, with the conspiracy theory would be that that he would be joining uh, Mick Schumacher at uh, Audi when they finally enter Formula One. Two German drivers. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, that ain't happening. <laughs> That'd be crazy though. That'd be freaking crazy. Okay. I mean, with the knowledge that he has and stuff like that, he'll be good help for any team to help them build up as far as... But as a driver, he's not coming back. Remember that uh, that that uh, when uh, Mercedes finally joined the grid, when Mercedes finally joined the grid, they came back with two German drivers, which was Ross Michael Brown Schumacher. And Schumacher. Nobody thought Michael Schumacher was coming back. <laughs> Audi's German, two German drivers. Hmm... Alpina has two French drivers. You're you beating me to an answer. <laughs> Mercedes has two British drivers. There you go. All right. Anything else on Seb Vettel? Anything else on the news? No. Okay. Race weekend review. Thoughts? Gentlemen, a short view back to the past. I forgot. Thoughts mm-hmm. on uh, the race weekend? And I'll go first. I will... Clap it up. Bravo. Thank you, Ruben. Bravo to the changes that they made to the track. This was actually a good race. I thought that, like, cars followed, cars passed. Like, it was actually... Things happened here. There was a lot of action happening here. You just said it before we start recording that it was not a good race. But I did say there was a lot of action happening. That I caught myself wondering, why do I think, if all this action is happening during the race, why do I think the race sucks? Because everything was settled. Yeah. Could be that. Could be that that, I, that what what I was what I wanted was not happening, which is either Checo passing Leclerc, you know, or Ferrari having nothing to do, so Mercedes could win. Why is it? What? That you're <laughs> such a hater. No, no, it's not hate. It's not hate. It's not hate. It's it, it's just in the F one thing to see a team that started so hard at the beginning of the year and to fall all the way below a team that struggled pretty much all year. You're like, damn, how did Ferrari feel that? You know, Ferrari, the Ferrari team is failing this much. Ferrari. <laughs> it's not hate, Yancy, though. It's a t- you know, I, was, I wanted to check out to do past Charles. Clearly hate. No, never. You're a hater. He no. just roots really hard for his team. Okay, so. Yeah. Ruben, so those are your thoughts that it was while it was exciting in the sense of that there was a lot of action. There was it wasn't exciting because the drama was gone. There was no real intrigue. I would say I was I would sum up to that. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Yes. No, I thought it was exciting all around, and there was intrigue in my opinion. Uh, we we still had um, second in the drivers' championship to be settled, uh, and that. That was a that was an ongoing theme throughout the entire race with Checo cashing up to Charles Leclerc, uh, and Ferrari throwing out a dummy, a dummy pit stop call to to trick um, Red Bull into a two stopper. Um, you had you know the whole Aston Martin versus Alfa Romeo to see if Aston Martin was going to catch up to them. There was a whole bunch of 
battles up and down the midfield and qualifying was pretty well was, was good and the racing was good too because it was a ton of overtakes people challenging each other if you looked in the right spots there was a ton of intrigue at this race okay <laughs> i guess ruben <laughs> disagrees so qualifying itself we had the top two the the top two cars were the red bull blocking out the front row the, the next row was uh the ferraris and then the row behind that was the mercedes in general, though, qualifying, you didn't know who was going to be on pole position, right, this whole time. Yeah, mm-hmm. the qualifying was more of an intriguing part of the <laughs> So much so that we had Sergio Perez and Charles Leclerc separated by four hundredths of a second. Um, anything to mention? Anything, you said it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Anything you wanted to mention on uh, qualifying? Copy that. Uh, the race itself... Well, but, there is one thing. Well, Seb, I mentioned Seb. Seb, just to get into Q two, everybody. What there was, there was this big uh, thing with traffic this weekend because everybody was literally just stopped on the track. Seb was just going balls to the wall, and he split. <laughs> I think it was. I don't know what cars he split, but if you watch that onboard, I suggest anybody go on YouTube and watch it. It was insane how he was doing his qualifying lap when everybody else was stopped on track and he's just weaving through it and he was still able to put in a lap on that car uh, to get into Q2. And he actually got into Q3 too. So Seb, phenomenal weekend by him just to qualify up there. To me, with, with the qualifying that I, I would say I was missing is Mercedes and Coda that did really well. Brazil as well. Where were they here? So... I would obviously they were there, but I would expect them to qualify high. So now we know what it is, right? If Mercedes doesn't do well, Ruben no, no, no. says it's bad. No, no, no. He's like, what was missing? That <laughs> makes a lot of sense. <coughs> okay. That makes a lot of sense. So maybe you're not a hater, you're just a homer. English. Don't matter. You're, you're a Mercedes fan. fanboy. A fanboy. You're a fanboy. No. So okay, the race, uh, the race itself. So let's talk about the battle for second place and the dummy pit stop. So that's when, hold on, let me make sure I have the right t- timing here. That was lap thirty-three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari says over the radio, "Do opposite of what, right? That's what. Yes. Do opposite of what the Red Bull does. Correct. I don't know if it was a fake out. Uh, it was confirmed. It was a fake out. But I don't know. I don't know if." Um, Knowing how Red Bull is, I don't know if they just dove into the track upon hearing that, or into the pit upon hearing that. So he was he was the first one, actually one of the first, the first of the top drivers, Checo Perez, to pit. He was already it was he pitted lap fifteen, then pitted lap thirty three, eighteen mm-hmm. laps later, and then took that to the end. It's almost like a potato potato type of situation. We saw Max and Leclerc do one stop. Uh, strategies, but it, the two-stop strategy could have worked. It's just look, Perez was just not the driver for it. So I I don't know if if I would agree that it was if if Ferrari had gone on the same strategy the Red Bulls were going, Red lost. Bulls gonna win. Yeah. So they had to do something different. If if it did or did not work, well, it worked. They, they no, no, yeah, it worked. Yeah. They beat him. <laughs> so I mean, uh, Leclerc beat him and. The red, I mean, he was driving pretty fast, um, just to catch up. Who's he? Uh, oh, Paris? Chico. Yeah, 
just to catch up to Leclerc at the end of the race. He needed like two more laps to catch up. To. Yeah, but he would have caught up to him. Mm-hmm. And, However. Yeah. yeah, but he got screwed up by Albon and Gasly, I think, mm-hmm. racing each other. Mm-hmm. He got screwed up by Hamilton, a, a, a little bit of payback. That must have been exciting for you, right, Ruben? No, come on. <laughs> a little bit of payback. <laughs> Sorry, Izzy. No, that was uh, no, actually that that was actually a really good uh, good moment with uh, Lewis holding back Checo for a little bit and actually fighting him back as payback for last year in Abu Dhabi. Got him, got him. <laughs> it seems like everybody has a has a vendetta against Checo for some reason or another. The last two weeks. No, but also with the with all the action that was going on in the midfield. You can't blame also those drivers for having their own race. Correct. Right. However, I think that a Hamilton would have gone past them and would have caught Leclerc. I yes. just think I think that if if you line up all the drivers on the top three teams, all six of them, I think Perez is the last in terms of talent and being able to make that drive happen. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with you on that. Right? Russell could do it. Hamilton could do it. Max, definitely. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. I don't know. So you don't have signs on the top six. He's number five. Number five. Fair enough. Thanks. I love it when we all agree on something that I say. So, um, great drive by uh, Charles Leclerc, right? To be able to make it happen, he was able to go. He was able to go thirty-seven laps on the hards. I don't think. I don't think throughout the. All the drivers, they were not confident those tires would last because even Hamilton was saying, "Hey, don't you know? Don't want to stop me." Yeah. So they weren't, you know, it's it's again, it's an uncertainty with the tires that they've they've had all year. Everybody. The, some think, some some weekends, a certain tire works like crazy that it's not expected, and this weekend happened to be the hard. The hard has not worked almost all year. The key to this is a very abrasive track. I think. Yeah. The the key to. Leclerc's well, quote-unquote win over Checo was the fact that he was able to extend his stint on the medium tire. The medium um, that's what made that strategy work. If he pits around the same time, that, two, that two-stop strategy obviously doesn't work. So he had to take it a little bit longer, and he pulled it off. I think that as much flack as, oh, rightly so, as Ferrari has gotten with their strategy this entire year, I think they actually pulled off a pretty good race this 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 I mean this weekend. I agree with that 100. So, I think that their setup was good, and they were talking about it on the uh, on the broadcast often how the Ferraris have been known for chewing up tires, and this mm-hmm. this race their setup did not do that, and it obviously it benefited them in the end. The funny thing is that. If you start going from the beginning of the weekend, Friday, yep. you would never think Ferrari will be, you know, we got a second place in this in this track. Because yeah. they'll be all weekend, they struggle with their setup, they struggle with the tires, they struggle with even speed. Yeah. Charles Leclerc kept, kept saying to him, hey, like, why are we so slow? Why are we so slow? So you would never, obviously, him to get a second place in the actual race, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what happened? Where, where was this? Because, right. oh, a day ago, you know, in the morning time, in the afternoon, you're coming about the speed. You complain about the tires. You complain about so they actually managed to do a good setup, you know, for, for qualifying and the race, and it worked for them. Yeah, the strategy obviously was the best part. Yeah, I mean the strategy won it for them, but they executed it. Right? Finally, yeah, finally we finally. did not 
Can okay. you give them some credit? I just did, finally. <laughs> 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 we was Yancy, tell me, tell me we were expecting where's where are we gonna F this up? You know you were expecting it too. No, not, it was not. Yes, you were. Because no. every weekend you expect it. Every, no. every time you see, when we're together, you see Ferrari do something good in the race. You're saying, okay, so what are they going to do to F it up? Why? Watch them go into the pits. and they're gonna t- That's the reason why they're one stopper. Bro, you, don't even. This is why I tell them on the radio. Why are you inviting me into your messed up head? <laughs> well, this is why I tell them on the radio, you're, bro. You know what hater, we don't know here. You're a hater. You're a hater. Stop hating. <laughs> well, Yo, you know what we don't know here. Do not even come no, near the pits. You Stay should out. You not have so much negative energy revolving <laughs> around your life, bro. It's not negative. It's not cool, man. It's not cool. It's more like precautionary. Okay, so... We we talked previously about uh, Sebastian Vettel's uh, amazing drive. He does it. Uh, he does well again, despite the fact that the strategy didn't particularly work out for him. Uh, so they one stop uh, Seb Vettel. He was complaining towards the end of the first stint, which was lap twenty five when he finished, about how he was just getting passed by everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna just remind everybody: Verstappen did a one stop. He stopped at lap twenty. Leclerc did a one stop. He stopped at lap twenty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ricardo lap nineteen. Those are the one lap or one stop guys. I'm sorry, Gasly fourteen, but Gasly was in Nowheresville. So mm-hmm. uh, Seb, Seb Vettel was running in the top ten at the start of the race, and then this strategy had everybody passing him once they got on the new tires. Quietly, not quietly. He was complaining. Lap 25, he went on to used hards and ended up finishing 10th in a race that he could have. His his teammate, Lance Stroll, finished 8th. They shot themselves in the foot. The, the one-stop strategy works for a car that is quick around this track and can pull a gap. When you are fighting, first of all, the Aston Martin obviously is a slow car. Um and they're fighting in the midfield, and the and the midfield is very close. So if you're fighting with other cars that are similar pace to you, um, and you're on a on a one stop strategy in this case, you're gonna get eaten up by a whole bunch of cars unless you're in a Red Bull or Ferrari. Because obviously that one stop strategy didn't work for uh, Danny Rick also. I was actually. Maybe I was glad that he was able to re- regroup himself and I guess, I guess turn it back on because he was like, I think he went down as far as I think it was 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And he was able to make it back to the top, to, you know, to the top 10. Right. On his own, I would say maybe his own merit because the strategy. It came, it came out after the fact that uh, both Boras and, and Guan Yu Zhou, they were looking to slow down the Aston Martin so that they can finish at, a, at, you know, at their certain position. So what ended up happening is that they finished tied. 55-55, but, uh, but on the merit of uh, Valtteri Bottas getting, that, like, getting fifth at uh, the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix, the fourth race of the season, they ended up winning because that was a tiebreaker. So Alfa Romeo, congratulations. They mm-hmm. just won millions and millions of dollars because of that. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, but... Don't talk, he got, don't talk bad about both. Huh? Because he got fifth. That was a long time ago. <laughs> he got fifth in the fourth race of the year. He got... so. I believe that the tiebreaker is whatever out of all the drivers on both teams, whoever had the highest finish. Mm-hmm. I think it came into play. They they were talking about it twice, once with Haas and Alfatari and then once with Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin. So Bodas having scored that fifth, they ended up tied 55, 55 mm-hmm. points. That was the tiebreaker. And they ended up winning the uh 
sixth place. Alfa Romeo won sixth place over Aston Martin. So he goes, all right, so out of the four drivers who had the best finish from whatever team, they get ahead. Yes, don't ask me what the next yeah, no, breaker is. Like, no, I'm just saying, I'm just going, so the, the way they, the try break on this aspect work was, out of the four drivers, Bottas had a best place finishing all right. four drivers. Right. And that gave you an, gave him a head I, advantage. I think that I think that the tiebreaker, the first tiebreaker is divvy up the wins, whoever had the mm-hmm. most wins, and they didn't have wins, so it was whoever had the highest Her position. Place, highest. And then if they were tied at that, then it would go to the next whatever the next Yeah, whatever. I, obviously we don't know the whole booklet. So listen, Alfa Romeo scored a since Canada, a tenth, a tenth, and a ninth. That's four points, and they were able to hold on to that position. So I guess congratulations to them. Go Botas. Aston Martin was hard charging at the end <laughs> over there. You see how I just ignored that, right? Aston Martin hard charging at the end over there. 18 points from Lance Stroll to 37 from Seb Vettel. They're going to miss Seb big time. So the uh, one of the other... Well, they're also getting as Lonzo in there. Okay. Formidable. Let's Point ask uh, Alpine. Oh, yeah, the teammate. Haas is getting Hulk, who could score. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, instead of 37, we'll be, you know, we had a jump too. <laughs> so they got to watch yeah. out. <laughs> and don't talk about drivers in that midfield. And don't know? talk bad about Bottas. <laughs> don't talk bad Haas about Haas is in the midfield now. There's mm. drivers in that midfield. Well, hopefully, Haas will be in the midfield. Uh, speaking of Haas, America. speaking of Haas, we had, man, they didn't even. Oh my God. I guess what made the difference was that, uh, or part of what made the difference was that P8 in the sprint race in Brazil, that was actually just, I think, one point. But Haas 37, Alphatari 35. Dude. Um, I think that the story there is how far Alphatari has fallen. Yeah. Yeah. They should not be. They shouldn't even be near there. They should be fighting for the sixth with Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Haas is right there. They, that's where they should be. But Alphatori to lose out to Haas? To lose out to Haas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Good man. for them because they were dead last, right? Haas last year. Yeah. Yes. And that's, again, millions and millions of dollars just by coming in that one place. And considering ahead. it's the sister team to the top team in the in the sport. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, okay, so... We don't need to talk about Mercedes. Sorry, Ruben. No. Ferrari beat them out. So it's Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes is the top three. And then there was another battle, Alpine and McLaren. Uh, Alpine 173, McLaren 159. This, so look, Lando Norris beat both Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso. 122 from Lando Norris, 92 from Esteban Ocon, and 81 from Fernando Alonso. It's got to be the ultimate frustration for Zach Brown to have to deal with not winning that position because Daniel Ricciardo only scored 37 points. Considering also the the amount of retirements, mechanical retirements that Alpine had as well, um, sure, McLaren well. should be slapping themselves. Seven takes, total retirements. Takes two drivers. Yeah. Yep. Both drivers have to score. Yeah. Anything else to really... so? Kind of went into standings, not really the race, but anything else to really talk about uh, with this race? George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. Can you guys guess? Do you guys know what the final head-to-head in races is? Points? Race. Race wins? Yes. 1-0. One 
How's it one zero? Oh, you're Across talking about as far as oh no, you're talking about yes, I'm, he drank too much. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, clearly. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I'll tell you. Go ahead. Ten to nine. Ooh, wow. Who won? Wow. George. No. Um, Hamilton. Hamilton won. Wow. Because Hamilton got a ton of podiums. He yeah. did get a ton of podiums. And he did get a ton of podiums. Uh, this is taking out DNFs, of course. So there's that. Um, okay. Anything else to well, talk about with regards to What was to the, the point difference in points between uh, Russell and... Uh, 35. Listen. Um... Anybody who's ever beaten Lewis Hamilton as a teammate has gone on to win a world championship. So, as far as oh man, we could talk about this next week, but as far as head to head racing wise, there's only one person that beat him straight up in terms of race counting towards the end of the year. Fernando Alonso, 100 percent right in his rookie year. Yeah, so he's beat in his rookie year. Yeah, yeah. he beat Jensen Button, Heike Kovalainen. Uh, Nico Rosberg, Boras, and George Russell beat all of them up. Race to race. However, next year, if the Mercedes is back to form, does George there. Russell win that championship? Things we can talk about in the future. Um, I don't, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask my dad, he seems to think so. But, <laughs> but okay, anything else to talk about with regards to this race? No, it, but a, a lot better than what we're used to seeing here in Abu Dhabi. The track changes um, work. The parabolic on the ad. Yeah, no, it's good. They call it that. Well, I mean, they were made last year, but this year we saw the fruits of that labor. And um, and it's not the boring race that we can expect in Abu Dhabi anymore. Yeah. Plus, these cars are uh, very good at following each other. Hello. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that, to me, is the, the main difference. Yeah. Um, course, yeah. All right, so at Jump to Start of One on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure to follow us. Say hello. Uh, leave a, a review on your favorite podcast platform. Before we depart, anything else? From this week? It's uh, Turkey Week, right? Not Turkey even race Week? week. Yes. And for the uh, Americans in the audience, it's Turkey Week. And uh, we'll catch you guys next Monday for, uh, or next time, for a uh, race season or a season recap. Sorry, I'm like an outer space now. Season <laughs> recap. Summary, yeah. Yep. All right. Until then. Peace. Peace.